Andy, you know, there's a prophetic utterance back in the time of Moses in Deuteronomy that is absolutely fascinating, and we have actually seen. We'll talk about that today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible. That's important. And as we do so, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you with us today. Spend the next half an hour with us. We're going to learn a lot. One way is through Corey and Ryan. Corey? All right. Well, as we're seeing the last few chapters here of Deuteronomy, we're seeing Joshua move into the place of leadership. Uh, so today we're going to be taking a look at the book named after him, Joshua. Ryan? Today I'm examining the life of one of the Bible's most notable heroes of faith and one we've been reading a lot about, Moses. Excellent, Ryan. Excellent, Corey. Janice? Hearers and doers. All right, let's open up the Bibles and let's look at what God is saying to us today. Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 10. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey His voice, according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you, and gather you again, from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 10. Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29, 30, and 31. This is fascinating as we come to the conclusion or the ending chapters of what Moses has spoken to the children and he has written. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, 
the Lord reveals to Israel the consequences for their actions, blessings for their obedience and curses for disobedience. Now, despite these harsh warnings, Israel will eventually ignore God's commands and they will succumb to various temptations, false worship, all kinds of evil. God does not take away our ability to choose. He doesn't. Instead, he invites everyone to seek him. By failing to do so, to seek what is truly good, we fall into great sin and failure. And as Christians, we know why we respond to Jesus Christ with such awe and favor, because he has done so much for us already. Forgiving our sin, I mean, giving us eternal life. If we seek his face and take him as our salvation, then we will be born again, according to John chapter 3. Praise God. God shows us the great blessing and the failures of what we as people do when we accept or reject him. Now, there is a drive inside of each of us, and it is of sin. And that drive can be changed if we come to Jesus Christ and confess our sins to him, accepting his provision. Very interesting. Have you done that today? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Very, very important. So keep that in mind. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we rapidly come up on the end of it. And I want to explain to you that if you don't have your Bible guide, why not? Write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. And may I say thank you so much for your donations. They are very helpful, especially right now. Uh, so thank you. God has kept us alive. Thank God. And so if he's speaking to your heart, listen to him and do what he says. Not what I say, but do what he says. Also, it takes you from there to a page called a PDF file download of the digital version of this, which gives you the exact copy on your computer as you have on the print. So you can join us in seconds. The drive, that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm not talking about driving. I'm talking about the drive, the pushing, the hammering, Deuteronomy 30. You know, each of us have a drive and that drive tends to be sin. We come to the Lord and that drive is still there, but God helps us through the power of his Holy Spirit to pull it back and to seek his face. So Father, I pray today that we would hear this. I pray today that we would in fact regain our confidence to follow you and to do good and to seek your face in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen and amen. Look at the Bible. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses one to three. Here's what it says. Now it shall come to pass when all of these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I commanded you today, you and your children, with all of your heart and with all of your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Huh. God tells Israel that he will bring them back home from all over the world. 
You see, God restores us to himself when we repent. Look at that word, repent, and turn our lives to follow the Lord, beloved. Repenting is a wonderful thing. Make sure that we follow God. And if you are a Christian and have accepted the Lord, and you open your day with repentance, that's great because there's a lot of things I have to still repent for because I get up and my drive goes one way. God tells me to go the other way, but I don't want to. I keep going that way and I say, Lord, help me. I don't need to do that. Very important, beloved. But when we repent, God helps us. And we need to keep that in mind. Keep that close to us. Now, let's go on to Deuteronomy 34 and 6. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under the heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you from there and he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and that you may live, that you may live. Secondly, God will prosper his people when they wholeheartedly respond to him. God will prosper his people when they wholeheartedly respond to him. The Lord promises to help us succeed in his work if we follow his lead. You see, beloved, very important to keep in mind that Jesus Christ is leading us. We don't like to be led. Some of us are like, we want to do our own thing. But wait a minute. If we come to Christ, we allow Jesus to help us to do his thing. Very important to keep in mind. And we're happier doing that than we are trying to come up with our own thing. Seven to ten. Also, the Lord your God will put all of these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all of his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in the work of your hands and in the fruit of your body and in the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will gain Again, rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book, that is the book of the law, the book of God. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Amen. Brings me to the third point. If God's people obey his word, and do his commandments, he will curse their enemies. We must always make room for God's word in our life. You see, we don't come to this and have to do it ourselves. Praise God. We know the Lord, and you know what happens to us? A deposit of the Holy Spirit comes into us. And then when we read the Holy Spirit's words, they come alive and they begin to speak to us. Beloved. We don't do this on our own. We don't Follow Christ on our own. The Holy Spirit helps us, beloved. That's why it's important to make sure that we fall under Christ and we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's what the Lord said when he said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. See, we pray daily that God's will will be done in our lives and God's will be done in our cities, our families, and our nations and our world. That's what we pray today. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives, and this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time, and I find that absolutely amazing. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And as we continue through our reading of the Torah, which is, of course, the first five books of Moses, I wanted to stop and actually examine the life of Moses himself. Now, though he was initially born at a time when his nation was in slavery to Egypt, he would later deliver the Hebrews from that bondage and bring them all the way to their promised land. Let's take some time and learn about Moses. He was born during Israel's 400 years of slavery in Egypt. In fact, it would be he who would lead them out from under this terrible bondage and into their promised land. When his mother Jochebed bore him, the Egyptian officials were under strict orders from Pharaoh to drown all male Hebrew newborns in the Nile, an attempt to control the ever-growing Jewish populace. Though his mother successfully hid him for the first three months, she could do so no longer. So she put him in a reed basket daubed in pitch and placed him in the Nile. But God was watching over this child. Indeed, at this time, the daughter of Pharaoh had come out to the river to bathe. When she discovers the Hebrew child, she has compassion on him, and at the suggestion of the boy's sister, Miriam, who has been secretly watching all along, she hires the boy's mother to nurse him. The Egyptian princess then adopts the child as her own and calls him Moses, because she drew him out of the water. While the Bible does not say much about the first 40 years of Moses' life while he was in Egypt, Acts 17.22 does reveal that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. The Bible also records the event that led to his next 40 years. Indeed, upon witnessing an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. But when he is discovered, he flees from Pharaoh to the land of Midian. It was here, while sitting at a well, that he saved the seven daughters of Jethro the priest from harassment and drew water for their flock. For this, Jethro takes Moses in and even gives him his daughter Zipporah as a wife, who would later bear him two sons, Gershom and Eleazar. For the next 40 years, Moses would shepherd flocks. However, at 80 years of age, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. The time had finally come to break the bonds of slavery off of the Israelites. So God commissions Moses to confront Pharaoh and free his people, and designates his brother Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. Through a long and grueling series of ten plagues, God finally breaks the hard heart of Pharaoh, just but for a moment. With this brief opportunity at hand, Moses escapes with the Hebrews, but Pharaoh and his army soon take pursuit. So, in a tremendous display of power, God brings his people across the Red Sea on dry ground. But when the Egyptians attempt to follow, God brings back the waters upon their heads and drowns them all. For the last 40 years of his life, Moses was the intermediary between God and the people. He also received the law of God on Mount Sinai and built a tabernacle according to God's instruction. Though he faithfully led the people to the Promised Land, 
He died before entering it at the age of 120. Although Moses was certainly reluctant and was often frustrated with the people, he nevertheless was a man of tremendous faith. He was a great leader and his relationship with God was very, very unique. Actually, the Bible says that he spoke to God face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, we can all learn from the example of Moses. He was very, very passionate and very committed to God. And we should be thankful for his obedience to the Lord because he would be used to pen the first five books of the Bible. So let's take it from Moses. Maybe like him, we think that we're not very well spoken or not the right person for the task. But let me tell you, if God has chosen you for an undertaking, then go forward with it and let him lead you. After all, it's all about the building up of his kingdom, not ours. I think that's important and uh, because we're so taken today with ourselves. You know, what do we think? What do we think? Everybody talks about what do you think? What do you... mm-hmm. But what does God think? Yeah. Read the Bible. What does God think? That's yeah. very, very yeah. good. And it's always ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing eternal? Well, that's is it, right. Is it eternal? And if it's not, I'm not saying you can't do things, you know, that are earthly because, you know, we have to take care of our needs sometimes. But we have to ask that question. It's very important. The eternal purpose. Very, very critical. Mm-hmm. Corey? All right. Well, today I'm going to switch gears and look at the other leader of Israel who is coming up after Moses. And that, of course, is Joshua. Joshua was really close to Moses. Um And, you know, as we're phasing out of the book of Deuteronomy, we're going to be moving into a book called Joshua, which is about this time period of the conquest of the promised land and what happens next in that generation after Moses passes away. So let's take a look at the book of Joshua and see what we can learn. The author of the Old Testament book of Joshua has traditionally been seen as Joshua himself. Verses within the book give credit to Joshua for authoring at least some sections. Chapter 24, verse 6 says, Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. This, paired with various accounts written using personal pronouns, infers that we're to assume Joshua did write, if not all, at least good chunks of this book. Some scholars prefer the view that a later author-editor compiled together the written records of Joshua with perhaps other eyewitness accounts and oral traditions to get the version of Joshua we have today. This would explain, for example, the reference in Joshua to the book of Jasher, which seems to be referenced as either a source or additional reading on the same historic event. To narrow down then the list of potential compilers of Joshua, attention needs to be given to Joshua 15.63, in which the author states that Jerusalem was still inhabited by Jebusites at the time of writing. Since Jerusalem was taken by King David and the Jebusites expelled during his kingship, the book of Joshua then must have been compiled in its final form sometime before King David. Joshua 16.10 also tells us that the town of Gezer was occupied by Ephraimites and Canaanites, again placing time of composition before the days of David, during whose reign Gezer was held by Egypt, who then gave the town back to Israel as a wedding present to David's son Solomon. While we truly don't have any solid clues as to the final compiler or editor of Joshua, an interesting choice is Samuel, the last judge of Israel who anointed both Saul and then David as king. 
It has a nice ring to it. Samuel, the man who served as the last judge and witnessed that transition from judges to kings, compiling Joshua, the book that serves as the transition between the time of the Exodus and the judges. So there we go. Joshua is a really interesting, you know, transitional book that gets us uh, really away from the structured leadership of Israel. So we see Moses, we see Joshua, and then after Joshua, of course, comes the time period of the judges, which is chaotic. Chaotic is a nice term to describe the time period of the judges. You'll see as we get there. Uh, but, so we really see this transitional time period, which, uh, you know, could have been worse could have been better uh, between Moses and the time period of the judges. But it's interesting to see what God is able to do in the generation of Joshua and, and Caleb as well. There's a lot of failure, you know, in the uh, journey of Moses. And mm -hmm. he never made it into the promised land because he lost his temper mm -hmm. uh, when God told him, you know, go say to this rock and he beat the rock, you know, that was a problem. And uh, he is, he is, put out there in the Bible as somebody who is a very strong, uh, opinionated man. And it's, it's well, excellent because yeah. you have to be strong and opinionated to follow God. Yeah. And you, and you see, you see in Moses, someone who really doesn't want to be leader. And that's a good thing. Like yeah. he, he just wants to follow God, but then he moves out of that in that instance, you know, he moves out of it and it's about him and it's about his authority and it's about him doing it the way that he wants to. Yeah. And whenever leaders of Israel begin to do that, it's a pattern in the Bible things go poorly. They go bad. <laughs> yeah, they, they go they go really bad because God had a plan of salvation that he was working for the world mm -hmm. and through Israel. And it needed to go a certain way. Like if you were gonna be a leader of Israel, you had to be a representative of God. And so many people failed that. Yeah. And you know what? Right. It's still the same today, isn't it? Is. It, it is. Because when, when we start to buy our own press and start yep. patting ourselves on the back, that's when we start losing it with the Lord. And, and our, our, our witness is so much less effective yep. when people then start looking at us because we will make mistakes. Yes, Leaders, human leaders will make mistakes just like Moses did. And uh, there's only one perfect leader and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's kind of where I was going today. So thank you, Corey, and thank you, Rod, for helping me to bring that in. Hearers and doers. I'm reading this, um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, the blessing of returning to God. And the phrase, two phrases that I keep seeing here repeated is, and when you return to the Lord, your God, and obey his voice, obey his voice obey his voice. It's always that. When you return to the Lord your God, and the other phrase, uh, when you come with all of your heart, with all of your soul, that you may live. To me, it's the story of repentance, even now. Look at verse 2. So um, uh, Moses is saying, when you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God, and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. So when we are introduced to the idea of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us, and we make that decision, do I believe he is who he says he is? Do I accept his provision for me for forgiveness of sins? Do I want to commit my life to follow him? We come to him with a full heart 
with all of our heart and with all of our soul. Verse three then says that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. So when we come to the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and we've made that decision, the Lord God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. He releases us from those sins. He can help He is the only one that can save us from our sins, from the bondage of the things that have held us away from God. Sometimes we don't even know what those things are until we invite Jesus into our life, until we get the word of God into our hearts, and then his light begins to illuminate all of the things that we've held in the dark places of our lives that we haven't even been aware of. Isn't that amazing? And then he gathers us, from all the nations. He gathers us out of our cultures into his, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. He gathers us as his children. We are now in the family of God. This is amazing. He gathers us as our children. And over and over again, it says, um, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with all your strength that you may live. Obey the voice of the Lord. Here it is again in verse 10. Obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, we know now, and even from yesterday's lesson that I tried to explain about being the living stones, his word needs to be in our hearts, not written on the stone, which we have it in the book. But more importantly, and that's why we do this program, we want to read the Bible so that we can be hearers of the word. Yes, we want to get this word into our hearts, but it can't stay there. It can't stay there. I can read a book all about gardening and have the best garden in my mind, but until I begin to apply those things, know how to stir up the soil, know how to plant the seeds. My garden won't be anything. It's the same thing with the word of God. Let's get it in our hearts. Let's know it and not only know it, but more importantly, apply it in everything we say and everything that we do so that we can be a reflection of God in this dark world. We pray for people every time in the week, three times a week at 3.30 to 4.30, it's very good. And we do that on Facebook and YouTube, and we also do that live on Bible Discovery TV. And you can watch us and be a part and join in if you come to us at those times, Eastern time. Today, let's pray, Lord, help me to make your divine word, your divine word a priority in my life. Help me to read it in Jesus' name.